When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Playing Around. I'm your host, Paige Renee, and we have Teddy G. We actually did something kind of cool this week, <laughs> Teddy. We got to meet in person, which is so crazy in this like post-pandemic <laughs> world when you're so used to doing video calls and video meetings and, you know, being on the phone with people yeah. and then to like see them in person, it's like you feel like you know them, but then you have to realize you're like, wait, I have actually <laughs> never met you in person before. <laughs> I, uh, I haven't told you this, but I refer to you sometimes as my work wife. We've spent yes. <laughs> dozens, maybe hundreds at this point of hours looking at each other on a screen. <laughs> so it was amazingly cool to be at a good sushi spot in Scottsdale and to be able to look across and see the actual page. It was uh, a great hang. Was there, so you were a lot taller than I thought you were going to be. And this is something that we always joke about on our points bet call. Yeah. Like seeing people in person, like what's surprising, <laughs> what's not surprising. Was I taller or shorter than you imagined me to be? Well, I'm surprised you didn't see me as tall. I got some hands, you know, <laughs> I'm uh, exactly, I'm a full 6'2". You as well, when you got up after dinner, which I think was the first time you struck me as taller as well. You were wearing heels, but they weren't like obvious. I don't know anything about women's shoes. I'm not going to start to talk about <laughs> pumps or whatever they're called. But um, yeah, I loved I loved our discussion. I loved that you know we talked you know some some work. We talked some golf, um, but then we got into the really important stuff, like you know ordering threesomes in foreign countries. <laughs> goes there at some point i have to <laughs> go to my friends on yeah. that one so patrick koenig <laughs> he is an awesome uh golf t- course photographer he did a whole rv trip where he just played golf for a year and he he, he started all of those discussions i will say but it was really interesting because 
that was the first time you and Patrick ever met, but you actually knew of each other through work in golf, which I always thought was very interesting. This guy is like the greatest golf photographer. Like, you know, a guy's an amazing golf photographer when you see his stuff and you don't even know if it's real because the courses (laughs) look great. You know, he obviously uses drones. I mean, he was, of course, Mm -hmm. asked that dumb question like, oh, this is from drone, right? And I'm sure he gets that question a lot. (laughs) So he usually just responds, no, I just throw my camera up in the air and try to time it right. So his stuff is amazing. Obviously, in this podcast, we've talked about my golf trip, the White Claw Invitational in Wisconsin. Patrick says he's already going to crash. We're going to have at least one fivesome out there. He's going to take pictures and and obviously play. He is fun as hell. So that was a that was a fun hookup. Now, is he the one who, who got the topic of butt play going or was that somebody else? I yes, that is definitely a Patrick move right there. <laughs> He's a great storyteller. So we were laughing. We were there for a really long time. But it's just nice to like go out to dinner. That was my second time going out to dinner since, um, I mean, quarantine started back what last March. So um, it, it's weird to just kind of like reintegrate in the world again. And still, obviously, we sat outside. We made sure we did that. But I'm like, I'm fully vaccinated. You're fully vaccinated. But still, it's like, I still get like a little uncomfortable and like thinking about it. And it's weird to again, feel like normal and do normal things and like be sitting down in a restaurant with like other people there. It's very bizarre. It was strange to me that I didn't think about it. It was probably the longest stretch I've gone. It was, you know, there for two or three hours where I wasn't thinking about it. Um, but I'll tell you what, you know, I, was, I flew from Chicago to Phoenix and to be in the airport, the Sky Harbor, or to be on the lines for the rental car, you would not know there's a pandemic except for the no. people wearing masks. <laughs> it was an absolute zoo. Both my flights were completely packed. Um, yeah. I think the only thing that's going on now is companies are just still sort of taking advantage of it, like financially, you know, like the hotels, there's less housekeeping. And I noticed that American Airlines, like the lounge is closed. <laughs> I'm not, you know, Crimea River, yeah. <laughs> not exactly a hardship. But I think these companies now are like still using the pandemic to make a little extra money. But yeah, everything about the trip and, and, and being there and even inside when I went to the restroom, like nobody was wearing a mask even indoors at that restaurant, which surprised me. So Arizona, it's so regional. Like when I'm in New York, people are still, everyone on the street is. And then in other places like Wisconsin or Arizona, basically no one on the street is. Yeah. I mean, Arizona never <laughs> really fully like shut down. We don't acknowledge. Like we definitely had our issues. Um, so I don't think people really like experience the pandemic, like in, you know, like a place like, you know, even Chicago or New York or any of the big cities. Um, so it's been more laxed here than in other places. But my dad, he flew for the first time in, you know, over a year. And he was asking us, he's like, so what's it like? Are, you know, there precautions set in place? Like, is it very different? I'm like, nope, it is the exact same, except that you're just wearing a mask. Well, (laughs) but I would say this, like, so when I was flying, you know, we went to Cabo and I was on a flight where there were a grand total of six people in economy and four of them were the Greensteins. So there have been flights and there have been times in airports where I am just like, I, I can't believe this is the world. Like I, I, I am truly like in shock. Now it's gone on where, where people are filling flights. The difference yeah. is though, like there's no drinks that, you know, they're not coming. I think there's no alcohol on these planes. You can't get a soda. <laughs> they just hand you a little plastic bag with a little water. It's like, okay, I understand. But guess what? 
at a certain point, can we get back to, can I have a Diet Coke on the flight? I mean, I'd like my Diet Coke. So can we get back to that, please? See, I don't, I don't hate that though. When they just hand you the baggie with everything in it, because I hate talking to people. <laughs> like I, I like despise when people like well, in the plane, when they come over and they ask you what you want. I hate that. Like I, I hate it so much before everything. I just, I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable and I panic and like social situations. So this just kills all of that. Now I just take my little baggie and I'm fine and I'm happy before. Cause I wouldn't want to say anything. I would just like sit there and not get even get a drink. So at least I have you could just there. write out Diet Coke and just hold up a sign. <laughs> I can only imagine when a guy you are sitting with tries to chat you up. I mean, I hate it as well, but if you already have that sort of a social phobia, I can only imagine you probably shades, a hat, headphones. I mean, you don't even you don't give a time of day, do you? No. So here's the thing. I think because part of my job, a big part of my job is going to events and pro-ams and you're, I'm always talking to guys. There's never really any women at these events. So I feel so comfortable like talking to guys and having guys come yep. up to me. So I feel like almost like as soon as I see a guy approaching, I just turn the switch on and I'm like, okay, we're in work mode now and I can handle it perfectly. But that's like the weird thing about me is, yes, I do have a lot of social anxiety, but I feel like I'm totally comfortable talking to people, especially like one-on-one. I feel like I'm really great one-on-one. It's when I have to like order things or like go somewhere for the first time. I hate going somewhere the first time and like doors really freak me out. You know, it's like, do you push or pull? I have so much anxiety, like walking up to a door. I don't know if I, cause I don't know. Like, do you push or you pull it? it I never just do says. it wrong the first two times and then I figure it oh, out. Oh, I hate that. And then I do it wrong. And then I think about it all day wow. long because I'm sure some, oh, it's bad. So it's like going to places for the first time and like doors, ordering things. I can't, I, and room service. I have so much anxiety over room what? service. Like when I was traveling the first couple of years, I would have my my mom or my dad try to call in room service for me from like out of state because I couldn't do it. I just hate talking on the phone. I hate ordering things. And that's like the two, that's the worst thing possible for me, talking on the phone and ordering food. I can't, <laughs> like I can't deal with it. Well, I think we ordered the sushi for you if memory serves. I didn't see, do you see what I did? Exactly. I panicked. I panicked. I said, you, you guys know, order. You guys order. I don't, I don't care. This is fascinating. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I think a lot of people in your generation hate talking on the phone. I, I definitely think that's a thing that a lot of people have. It's almost like when somebody calls and you automatic, I, I feel this way sometimes too. It's like, really? You didn't text first, you know, really? Yeah. But it, it's, and then for older folks, it's just, that's what you do. You call people. But it's weird because I feel like my generation FaceTimes and I hate FaceTiming more than calls. And so if I see someone FaceTime me, I literally just watch it, watch it ring. Like I will never answer it ever because I just, I don't, I don't like it. It just feels uncomfortable to me. I don't mind phone calls. I hate emails. I hate emails so much. Like if I never had to answer another email ever again, I would be so incredibly happy. I, I have noticed, you know, when we get sent something related to the podcast, I, I try to acknowledge <laughs> and say, thanks. Looks great. Not much acknowledgement from Paige there. I've also noticed in our points bet meetings, not a lot of screen action from Paige. You have gone into uh screen off mode most of the time. 
Well, I would say most of the time, since the meetings are at eight o'clock for me, and we usually shoot after that, that I'm getting ready as we're doing totally the meetings. Sure. So that's why usually, you know, screen is <laughs> off because I don't think anyone wants to be like putting mascara <laughs> on and my. <laughs> I don't think Len would like that too much. So I I just try to keep the screen off and just listen in slowly. But yeah, I have like a lot of very weird things that I I do and dislike and like in life. It's very the door stuff. That's a new one for me. That's one really I feel okay. Yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> but that's hey, that I, I like that or, you admit it. You kind of recognize it, and now I know. When we're at a golf course together, I will be opening the doors. Okay, that's our deal. Like, I hate asking people for directions. I hate, oh. like, not knowing well, where that, Yeah, but oh. that's where ways. Like, Google I hate Maps that. Is- like, going into, like, new golf courses, I get so much anxiety because I don't know, like, how the clubhouses are set up and how they work. And I, it, I, I panic all the time. I went to Congressional, and their clubhouse is, like, a freaking yep. maze. And I got lost probably 20 times and I just went to a corner and just like kind of slowly cried for a little bit. And then I like picked it up and then tried to find my way back. But I can't, I like don't handle stress well and I don't handle being lost well. And I don't handle asking people for With help you well. on that. And, and real quick, because maybe somebody can relate. So the rental car center in at Sky Harbor, holy yeah. shit. I mean, it's many levels and it's humongous and there are a jillion people in there. And then I get my rental car. I'm headed down. They say, go to level one. Great. Go down to level one. I have a budget rent a car trying to save some money. And um, I'm just wandering around like a freaking idiot. I, I, there's no sign. There are no people. There's no, I think I ended up feeling like a complete circle, a lap. I hate that feeling so much, Paige. I'm with you on that. Like, there was no ways to save me. No ways or Google Maps to save me. There is. I'm just looking for the damn rental car. So I am... <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I don't want to hear this one. <laughs> I have such a low Uber rating that they won't even pick me up anymore because I can't figure out directions and like where they're supposed to pick me up. And so I only get Ubers when I'm in New York City. And I, again, just me being like anxiety, I don't handle New York well. And so I kept telling them like a block over and then not figuring out like what could I couldn't figure I couldn't figure it out. And so like I could then I couldn't find them. And so I have such a low Uber rating because they would get so irritated with me trying to find the car that they would just leave or I would cancel it and then I would order like another one. And so it's gotten so bad to the point where they won't pick me up anymore. Like Ubers will not pick me up because my Uber rating is so incredibly low. And I've had friends who literally have like thrown up in Ubers. (laughs) and have like been horrible (laughs) and they have a higher uber rating than i do like i will only ask my friends to go places with me so they can order an uber because i don't i like i don't want to do it a couple thoughts on that you probably don't watch curb your enthusiasm it's to like an old dude's show but but there's one where larry has such a bad rating that he ends up having to take the bus (laughs) in la which is like a total nightmare for him so i'm thinking about that but like when you order an uber don't you just find the nearest restaurant or store that's the move you know i I tried (laughs) and it just didn't work it didn't work for me and then obviously like you know in new york everyone just like yells and they're very aggressive and i am i i don't handle that well and so uh, there's been multiple times that i've just cried (laughs) you know with my uber guy (laughs) he's lower this girl is crazy (laughs) is there a lower rating than one star can you get a zero stars 
I probably, I was like, I don't know where you are. I'm standing on the street. I don't know what street it is. Can you just help me? Oh my God. <laughs> he like doesn't you would, speak English. You really hated, hated the old days in New York, hailing a cab. You want to talk about aggressive. I mean, you have to be like a beast out there. And then there's a whole term called upstreaming. I think also from Curb Your Enthusiasm, where somebody like a half block in front of you goes ahead and steals your cab. And then you got to go up to that person and say, this is my cab. And then that's where the, you know, hilarity or fight ensues. I will just walk. I would walk everywhere. And I do that. Like if I can walk somewhere, I will walk somewhere because I am so scared to like get an Uber. Well, I, and I can't get one anymore either. So now I just have to walk everywhere. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you're okay with Lyft. Or maybe they have to create a third service that you can, that you can have a fresh start with. I know. I, I just ask for people to get me like car services now just to like not deal with them. Like, I will pay as much money as I possibly can. I don't care if it's not, you know, financially responsible. I, I need someone to pick me up right on time and I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to deal with it. Like you can. I thought I learned a lot about it's you. A mess. It's bad. <laughs> but the, the learning of Paige continues here. It's some new stuff. Yeah, I'm a weird one. <laughs> well, let's let's get into what this yeah. podcast actually is about. Some sports talk. <laughs> let's talk about the Valspar. It was a very exciting tournament, actually. I was surprised from day one all the way until the final round. Um, it was exciting. A lot. Not the biggest names, I would say, were playing. It was still a pretty good field. Um, but it was just so much fun to watch Sam Burns with win his first PGA Tour event. I think there's something so special about seeing someone get their first win. You can tell how much it means to them, especially Sam Burns as well, where he was leading the Genesis and then ended up, you know, not winning. So it was great that he didn't falter. I didn't think he was going to win at all. I <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to fall apart again on Sunday and it didn't happen. I mean, he played lights out. I will say that I think Keegan Bradley made it a little bit easier sure. for him because he made that, he made, yeah, he made that double. And then I think it gave um, Burns a little bit of confidence. And then from there, then Keegan, you know, obviously fell apart a little bit more. So I don't think he had that full on pressure you know, to really pull it out, but he still had some really amazing shots down the stretch. It's so nice to see people get super excited when it's uh, a guy, it's his first one. This guy's considered a phenom. He was ranked number one as a junior, uh, won the Jack Nicholas award in college. Like this is a big time guy, but he's 24 and had never won. So a few cool things here. I mean, people see him as like a future, like, you know, Future star, pillar of American golf, Ryder Cup guy. Yeah. Looks the part, kind of like a Brooks Kepka type figure. Yeah. Football Mm -hmm. built. So people are into that. He's got a very good scruff. I'm a fan of, uh, certainly a fan of that, you know, a a thickly built guy. So I think we all love phenoms. We all like new guys. We like to be able to say, hey, I remember when he won his first. The other part that was so appealing about Sam Burns was like after he won, he wasn't like Joe Cool. It meant so much to him. Like he had such yeah. a long embrace with his wife. I don't know why he's married at age 24, but that's his business. Did you hear their story, their love story? It's actually really no. cute. Um, they have known each other since they were five years oh. old. And Caroline, which is his wife, was his very first Valentine. And so he had his mom uh, 
drive him over to Caroline's house to like send her a Valentine. And they've just been together like their entire lives, which is really cute. Well, it's totally freaking adorable. So they had a nice embrace and then his dad and his <laughs> brother who looks like it. So it's like, yeah, suddenly the Valspar feels like a major because it means so much to this guy. And uh, yeah. it was fun to watch. I loved his line. He was talking about when he was a kid and, and his parents were like, hey, want us to sign you up for summer camp? And he goes, no, no, no. Just drop me off at the golf course at seven and then pick me up at seven. And it's all those hours he puts in that leads to a moment like that. Yeah, it, it was really, really special. I got to ask you about Keegan Bradley, though. Do you think he's one of the worst putters on so, tour? Several things annoy me about watching him. I mean, like the waggles and he's just so the weird just stepping off yeah. and everything. It's, it's just he's uncomfortable to watch. And I feel like with his putting, I'm glad you asked as somebody who puts it terribly and analyzes other strokes, <laughs> I feel like his, he puts it. And then like his putter goes up in the air. Like most good putters, I feel like keep it low to the ground. So even the ones he makes, uh, the ones that Keegan makes to me don't really look right. Do you think it's just because he's a taller guy? I feel like taller golfers really struggle with their putting. And I don't know if it's just a coincidence, but you look at someone like a Tony Finau, then you look at Keegan Bradley do you think that it's better to be lower to the golf ball? And this is actually where Michelle Wee's tabletop stance came from is because she wanted to be closer to the ground because she thought as well, like shorter golfers are better putters. And you look at like Jack yes. Nicklaus and Al Palmer, they yes. always had those like crunched over, bent over putting strokes. So do you think that it is a disadvantage to be a taller golfer. So now that we've established that I'm on the tall side, um, that is... So that is why you're putting... Absolutely. Shape. If I was six <laughs> inches shorter, I'd make everything. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, even if you think about, I don't know, like BJ Singh, you know, who's kind of fiddled with 14 different styles. And yeah, um, I mean, Ernie Els at um, certain points was a great putter. And then at certain points, you know, made six putt of the first green at Augusta National... <laughs> Uh, I've never thought of that, but I think it's gotta be true. Right. And, um, I think for a long time, like shorter golfers were just better. I mean, if, if anybody ever meets Jack Nicholas now, granted he's really old now and he's like shrunk, but even in his prime, <laughs> I think he was only like five ten, and that was an era with like yeah. Trevino and player and Tom Watson is certainly not tall. And then it became VJ and Tiger and Ernie and Phil. But uh, yeah, I think there are advantages to being a shorter dude. Yeah, but even if you look at Tiger, I wouldn't consider him. I mean, he's he's taller than average, but I'm talking about like the the tall guys, like over 6'2". Like you see those 6'4 guys and they just look so uncomfortable yeah. when they're trying to putt compared to the guys that are, you know, like 5'10", 5'9", that it looks very natural for them just to like set up to the golf ball. Even honestly, even when they're hitting drives too, it just looks more compact and just looks easier. Yeah. For them. Well, Sam Burns is a big dude. Do you like his swing? I do like his swing. I mean, at that level, all of those guys have such pure swings. Like you're not going to find someone that has like a, 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 a bad swing or someone that's like, Maybe that's why he's struggling. I was just going to say that, except for maybe like Matt Wolf, but besides, but even if you look at his, his backswing or yeah, his backswing is really weird, but his downswing is right on plane. 
There's nothing weird. Yeah, once he takes the club like, so, like up all their, here, yeah, <laughs> all the way up. But then, then he like routes it into the correct position. So it's funny if you look from like waist high for all of these guys, it's pretty much identical at all the time. They're always hitting the exact same impact position, which is like good for a lot of people at home to look at because that's all that matters. Like it doesn't matter really how far you take it back or what you do, but if you find that correct impact position, you're gonna be. Golden. You played? Did you play some golf yesterday? I think I saw some uh, Instagram. Yeah, I played yesterday and I got new Mizuno irons, which I'm so excited about. And so it's my first round with them. I've hit them on the range and everything, but I'm hitting them so pure and so long now. And I, it was one of those really, really good days where everything just is on. It feels so good and golf was easy and it was fun. And you have to cherish those days because it never really happens. <laughs> Doesn't happen too often. But those are the days that makes me like think that I want to play professionally again because I'm like, I have it. I can do it. Wow. I, I I hit it so well. And then I'll like miss a short putt or, you know, I'll make a small mistake. And I'm like, yep, this is why I'm not playing professionally anymore. Because again, I still, even having like the best, best, best day ever yesterday, I missed a green with a nine iron and I didn't get up and down. And I'm like, fuck this. You know, I got mad. I got really mad. And I was like, I'm done. Like I literally, I'm like, that is why I don't play because I get so incredibly irritated it's not even mad. It's just like this irritation of golf. Like it just brings like this, like a different side of me out than no- nothing ever does that. But it's just golf that like gets to me at like a completely different level. Did you record a score? Well, I was, rec- I was filming a vlog, but I probably shot two under. Yeah. Tasty. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, enough about pro golf. You're making way more money and hopefully having more fun doing this stuff. Well, I need to get into the the PGA Tour social thing. That <laughs> the 40 social mil Did you? Okay, did you actually? This, this was funny. So this morning, um, someone was, they retweeted this picture and it was Bryson DeChambeau's account, mm. but it was Sam Burns's picture and it said, thank you to all of my sponsors. So what that means is that they both have the same social media manager oh. and they tweeted he tweeted it from Bryson's account instead of from Sam Burns's account. Terrible. So this is what I was saying from last week. What really fucking pisses me off is that they don't have the, the guys on tour are not doing their own social media yet. They're going to get paid all of this money for it. And that's why I was like, when the agent said, Oh, this is, you know, great for these guys. Cause it's just more money with less hassle. I'm like, that's not the right approach. And you just see it right there. I mean, Sam Burns won, and he's not even tweeting about it himself. He had his social media manager. Well, clearly, I hope somebody is keeping score. I hope that is that's at least a two shot penalty, um, if not worse. Um, yeah, it's and bad. maybe you've moved up in the standings now because <laughs> you don't. If you have a social media manager, that person would be smart enough, you know, not to put you know Holly Saunders' face on uh, on your content or whatever it was there. No, it, it, I mean, that's not, that's not a good look. And someone screenshot, they were like, it was down in like two seconds. So they they realized the mistake and was like, oh, <laughs> I, I luckily have never done that. But I run all of my own social accounts by yeah. myself. So no one else has access to my accounts. I will not let anyone touch my Twitter, my Instagram. Facebook's the only one that I don't have a lot of 
like direct posting on. But besides that, it's just, you know, I do everything myself. But we got to talk about Max Homa speaking of social media. (laughs) He faltered. I think everyone thought that he was going to win on Sunday, especially after his great round on Saturday. He was right in the mix and just didn't get it done. What do you make? One birdie and he shot 74. And that's kind of sad. But now Max returns to the scene of his first PGA Tour victory. So the Wells Fargo, I'm sure, is going to evoke some good memories for him. And uh, we're working on a a page and name a bet for points bet to tie in with Max Homa. So I'm sure he's uh, fired up for the week. Yeah, I'm definitely really excited uh, for that. Always rooting for Max. And one thing, just to kind of piggyback on what we were talking about before, he put out a tweet talking about how he didn't get it done. And I think that is so great. And that's what we're talking about where these guys can connect to so many people on such a personal level. And it just takes two seconds to tweet something that you did yourself. And that is why Max has such a large following now. And people love him so much is because he talks about his ups and his downs and he's vulnerable and he's so open with everything that he does. And I just wish more guys would do that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he is, He's so good at it in terms of how he phrases stuff and like his tweets are original, you know, you don't feel like it's the same blah, 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 humbled and blessed and all that kind of stuff. Um, And he, you're right. He gives of himself. Like I'm sure he's so sad after shooting 74, after having a chance to win. And most guys would be like the last thing they're thinking about is their fans and their social media. And they're, I'm sure so many guys are just, scared shitless now to say the wrong thing <laughs> yeah. to offend somebody. So they just are like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just going to make enough money on the golf course where I don't have to worry about this. But that's what sets him apart. Yeah. He's so good at it. You know, like one little shout out, Luke Donald is actually very good on social media. Like that guy makes mm-hmm. an effort. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram, but he's yeah. great with tips. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's good. And he's got a good sense of humor and he's not afraid to to jab somebody. It seems like the the Brits, the foreigners are they often, are really uh, good know. at it. Like yeah. Ian Poulter is also really good yes. too. He's pretty funny. Um, Except he gets pissed and so then many. he'll like suspend his Twitter account for a week and then he can't <laughs> help himself. So that's always kind of a, a drama. I like that. I like that. I like the drama of that. But we're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to talk about some of the biggest sports stories of last week. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. 
Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. So we are back and we are talking about the NFL draft. I'm so excited. We got Najee Harris. I almost started crying when they announced his name. It was just so exciting. It was one of the best drafts that I can remember. Um, it just not too much drama, but you just didn't really know where anyone was going to go and who was going to get picked up. And it was just really fun and some really great storylines too with some of the guys. It, it was it was a good draft. We just kind of like faded that to happen we needed it we yeah. talked about it on our, our videos last week like Najee Harris is over under in terms of where he's going to get picked might have been 28 and a half half we both yeah. were like the Steelers they're 24 <laughs> they need him we were just determined and then it's amazingly cool when it happens because even like the draft experts even the guys who were doing all the mocks once they get past about the eighth or tenth or twelfth pick Nobody has any idea what's going on. So the fact that we nailed that one was really cool. Um, I'll talk about my Jets in a second and the Bears. Were there any any other Steelers picks that were interesting to you? Is, is it uh, anything they did give you uh, more confidence going into the season? I think just getting Najee was really great. Um, we got a, a couple good offensive line players and a couple good cornerbacks. So I think we're going to be good and better. Again, it's just keeping Big Ben safe yes. and like making sure he is okay. It all really comes down to him and what he's doing. Because I, I do think he holds the locker room really well. And I do think the players respect him and I, I think that they like him. Um, but it, he just gets injured so quickly that it's hard to have the season keep going and he'll come out pretty strong right in the beginning because he's fresh. And then you just see him just kind of start to fade away towards the end of it. I mean, but this draft was really like the draft for the quarterbacks. A lot of good storylines around that. Totally. I'll get on that in a minute. But like your second round pick, Pat Fryermuth, how perfect is that? A kid from Penn State. Tight end. So, you know, unlike um, the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, where I think Aaron Rodgers always feels like these guys are not supporting me. They're not making picks that are going to help me survive and have longevity. 
the Steelers clearly do that. I mean, to spend their first two picks on a running back and a tight end, that is how you take pressure off the quarterback um, and offensive lineman later. But like speaking of quarterbacks, so the teams that interest me the most are the Jets and the Bears. I'm a, I'm a Jets fan, so so freaking sad. And I feel like they screwed <laughs> up. Like they had this number two pick. They took Zach Wilson at a BYU, and he had an amazing season last year. And he looks apart, and he's charming, and hopefully he's going to be a great leader and all that. But like the Jets could have traded down two slots. They could have kept Sam Darnold. They could have added a first round draft pick and gotten Kyle Pitts, who's this incredible like tight end receiver from Florida. Yeah. And I really wish they had done all that. I think they screwed this up again. And I got this dude like Wilson. He's, you know, he was playing. He's kind of weird. He kind of gives me like so? weird kid vibes. I don't know. Um, He just, he seems so, I don't want to say immature, but he just looks so young. Very like, I just young don't know how looking. he's going to be able to <laughs> handle being like the quarterback for the Jets. I mean, that is a lot of pressure and I don't think he's going to, the fans are harsh there. They are going to tell him how it is. And like, I think that's going to be a very big adjustment for him. And he just seems, I don't know, kind of like quiet and, you know, introverted and just a little like, I I mean, I relate to him definitely on that weird kid level, but he just, I don't know that he just doesn't seem like super confident or like cocky or has that like it factor. He just seems a little intimidated. He seems a little intimidated by the moment. Yeah, I mean, so he's kind of slight of build, which is bad because if you're a Jets quarterback, you're probably going to get beat up a lot. And I totally agree. (laughs) You need some swag. I mean, one of my favorite all-time guys is Joe Namath. Don't make me bust out my um, Joe Namath throwback jersey. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. And then the one I thought was going to be good was was going to be Mark Sanchez. And he had him going for a little while. And he even like beat the Patriots in the playoffs. And he had so much confidence coming from USC, big time program, fans, boosters, et cetera, et cetera. I am definitely concerned about, you know, this kid coming from BYU. Their toughest yeah. game last year was like Coastal Carolina. So keep Sam Darnold at a first rounder, Kyle Pitts, et cetera. So that I think they screwed up, but those are a team that didn't screw up Chicago bears. I, I can't believe they were able to pull this off. I mean, like Justin Fields out of Ohio state really might be the second best quarterback. And they were able to trade up and get him in the 11th slot. So now the bears actually have some hope. Were you surprised that he didn't go number three? And Trey Lance went number three. I was a little surprised with that one. I, I know people were saying that Trey was probably going to go number three, yeah. but I I just didn't think they were going to take him. So perhaps you will recall from the points bet video that you and I did I know. where we were talking about Trey Lance. And I said, yeah. I think he's going to go number three. And that was early last week. And then everybody was coming around on draft day. Like the morning started where Mac Jones was minus 400 at 400 to profit 100 for those who are not uh, gamblers uh, listening on this podcast. So Mac Jones was an enormous favorite. And then a few hours later, it flipped. So everything was turning around. I mean, the Trey Lance pick is the most fascinating of the draft because like the 49ers already have a team that could win the Super Bowl. And he's viewed as a developmental quarterback. He's, he's like from North Dakota State. So everybody's like, oh my God, they gave up so much for a dude from North Dakota State who played one game last year. So that is going to be fascinating. But the Bears said, great, we'll, we'll take the guy who's, you know, played in 
a dozen huge games in his life and is an amazing athlete and uh, might be a, might he's got potential superstar written all over him. Well, it makes sense though because Trey Lance, like you're, they're going to have to develop him, and I think he's going to be great. But they have porn star Jimmy, so porn it's like they Jimmy. can count on him for a little bit. They're going to develop Trey Lance, and I think that was a really smart move on their part. But we got to talk about Mac Jones. I think the fav- my favorite part of <laughs> the draft was just I hate body shaming. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. But oh my gosh, Mac Jones looks like <laughs> the least athletic. He doesn't even look like an athlete. Like I was going to say the person yeah. there, but he he literally it doesn't look like he no. can run. He literally doesn't look like he can run. Someone said that he has childbearing hips, which I lost it on that. That he looks like a math teacher, like walking down the <laughs> the the, the uh, school when he was walking to get his hat. It just like. I, I guess he has some throwback Tom Brady yeah. vibes, you know, but like he does not look athletic. There was a video of him swinging a golf club and he didn't, he looked like, again, oh. he just looked like some random guy off the street. And you're like, this is the Patriots next Yeah. So first of all, I think on the pod, we are allowed to body shame guys. I think there's a difference That's true, just there. not me. Um, <laughs> he, I would have said he looks like a guy who's like record for pushups is three. Um, there's really no excuse. I mean, he's at Alabama. He's around guys who are lifting weights and, and in the best shape of their lives and, you know, benching four or 500 pounds. And I've never seen an NFL body like that. I mean, Tom Brady <laughs> at least had the excuse of like way back when he was coming into the league. It was before they even, you know, wore the, the, the gear to run fast. At the underwear yeah. Olympics. I mean, he's wearing just like a t-shirt and shorts and running like a 5-240 at the combine. And yeah, I mean, so he looked like a dude who had been lifting for like only a couple months in his life. Mac Jones, man, it's 2021. <laughs> what are you doing in your off time, bro? I don't get it. It was funny, though. I felt bad for him when they kept panning back to him and he was just holding like three phones yes. and like kept looking at all of them. It's like... I know that feeling after sending like a risky text. You're like, are they going to respond? Are they going to respond? You're just like waiting for it. But, you know, he's so likable, though. Like, he's so likable and so, like, unassuming that I think that's going to work in his advantage. But that body, though, I I can't with it. Yeah. And I mean, look, likable. Can he run? Like now he's the enemy. Now he's a Patriots guy. I hate the Patriots. We hate him. It's the only team in sports where I, you know, want bad things to happen to. I agree with that. uh, Sorry, Max. Owns, you know, you should have lifted some more weights because you're going to get crushed <laughs> in the NFL, buddy. Oh, gosh. Okay, so let's – it was a successful NFL draft. I think we're both happy with our picks. Yeah. Let's move on to another big storyline, which I have conflicting feelings about this yeah. one. So Pine Valley finally allows women as members. Ugh. The fact that this is a storyline in 2021 and everyone in the golf community was commending Pine Valley for being progressive was a fucking joke. It's a joke. Well, okay. Do your spiel. And I disagree with you. 
I know you disagree with me, but <laughs> it just bothers me. Like, I don't, I would almost respect Pine Valley more if they kept it men only and kept it exclusive because it's, it's, it's a private club. They can do whatever they want. I hated that they dropped this statement as if they were like so progressive and so excited for bringing diversity into Pine Valley. You know who is going to be able to play Pine Valley? The top 1% of the world. Like, not everyone can be able to go and play Pine Valley. And so if you're saying that we're trying to be more progressive or trying to get more diversity in the game, then don't make your club super, super, super exclusive. Like, it was just such a weird dynamic and such a weird thing to say and to do. And I just didn't like it. I didn't like how they were acting like this was such a great thing and so cool and so progressive. And like, we're, we're great. And you should like, tell us we're so awesome because we're finally allowing women in this 2021. It's 2021. There's none of that in your statement. You are completely no total liberty. No. No. And and then everyone, when they posted about this, everyone on like golf social media was like, I can't believe they're allowing women. Like, let us have one thing to ourselves. And it was like really? all the comments and shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People are like dudes oh, who yeah. will never get invited there anyway. Or like, let us have. That's what I'm saying, uh, though. No one's ever been able to play well, Pine Valley. So it doesn't even matter if they allow women. First or not. of all, they did allow women to play. Now they're just allowing women to be members. And there's a distinction here. I mean, and that was also one with Augusta National. Um, where women were that's so stupid though, because I went and I played, I can so I can play Whisper Rock, which is technically a male only yeah. um, golf course here in Arizona, and I could play there, but I wasn't welcomed. Like the whole men's or the whole clubhouse is the men's locker room, I can't step foot in the clubhouse, right? Right, right. So it's like, okay, we can go play, but we still don't have any of the same amenities or any of the same access, so just don't let me play then. Like if you're not fully welcoming people to come and play there, then don't let them in. I would, like I was saying, I would much rather I respect them more if they were just like, yeah, it's men only. It's like, okay. <laughs> and then I won't play there. Like I understand that, but don't say I can come play after three o'clock and then treat me like I'm, you know, not even allowed to be there. Yeah. Like I'm a bother to be there. Interesting. And that's how I feel it's going to be with Pine Valley too. It's like, it's still not going to be equal so it's like, just keep it men only then. Well, wait a sec, but you're just assuming that. I mean, and, and even with guest play, I was reading about this. Pine Valley did allow women to play on Sundays. I think it was Sunday afternoons. That was a pretty good slide. Oh, oh wow. Sunday afternoons. So nice of them. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I think it's different voice. because it's like, have you ever been to a golf course where it's like, you don't feel fully welcomed there? No. I, I've not felt that way. No. So, I mean, it's, I think it's different when I step on property yeah. and I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And I but feel, you feel like uncomfortable I like opening a door. So, you know, I can't <laughs> judge of things now. And oh, well, I'm comfortable this, basically wherever I go. So, so we're the comfort level of me opening a door <laughs> at like a male only country club, that's a whole nother level, a whole nother level. I've literally been on country clubs where guys are using rangefinders to look at me from two fairways over. And I've had people, you know, like I'll walk on and they're like, oh, who let the car girl out to play? Like they don't make you feel welcome. And that's what I'm saying. If they're not going to fully allow people to, you know, be members and like be accepted and have the same amenities and all that, then just make it minimal. Right. I don't care. I honestly don't really care. Um, all right. So I have major thoughts on the topic. I've written about it a lot <laughs> because Chicago has like four of the remaining 11 men's clubs in this country. 
Um, yeah. It's also interesting, you know, all my in-laws are in Canada, in Toronto, and there is one of the only remaining all women's golf clubs is in Toronto. Um, so I am actually okay with men's clubs in certain circumstances because I'm okay with Smith College and scripts where my mom went. So I, I like I don't think men and women have to be together all the time. I think guy time is important. I think ladies' nights or whatever you guys want to do is important as well. Now there are exceptions like Augusta National. I think needed to add women because it's viewed as like the number one golf club in the world and it hosts the greatest golf tournament. And, you know, it, it, it seemed disingenuous to welcome women there for the week of the masters, but then not have them as members. I just think that was, that was a bad look, but it still feels like, well, that. okay. I mean, there's, there's a club out here. It's called black sheep and they named it purposely that way. And they have a great sort of sense of humor about it. So it's in the far Western suburbs. It opened maybe eh, 15 or 20 years ago. I've written about it extensively. It's like a second club for a lot of guys. So they decided we are not going to put money into tennis or a swimming pool or social gatherings or fine China or the locker room. Everything we have is going to go into the golf course. So if we we're going to spend money on a bunker project because that's like what we care about. So the only food they have either comes from a grill or they have their guys go to Costco and make peanut butter and jalapeno jelly sandwiches. So it's actually like very unpretentious. It's just like a getaway where guys can play 18 holes in three hours and shoot the shit and um, and have a good time. And here's where they're funny. So women are not allowed to drop off men at the clubhouse. If that happens, they have to be dropped off like 200 yards away and then they have to walk up the hill. <laughs> it's called the walk of shame. They have to carry their own golf clubs. <laughs> so I think they're really funny about it. And I, I like that. And I respect it's really a financial decision. Flip side, Butler National is this big time golf club here, also in the Western suburbs. And it used to host a PGA Tour event. It was created in 1972 to host major important events. And it did. And then it stopped in 1990 because they refused to add women. And that one, I think, should add women because it's a U.S. Open course. And if they had women members there, even if it was two or probably four it would be in the U.S. Open rotation. But because they're really stubborn about it, that Chicago doesn't get a U.S. Open. So the U.S. Open, that's why the U.S. Open goes to Aaron Hills in Wisconsin, because they needed some place in the Midwest to have a U.S. Open. So I think it depends on the circumstances. If it's just like a, a fun little club, uh, somewhat obscure, and it's not hosting championships, do whatever you want. There are plenty of places where women are welcome here. But if you are going to be like a big national important club, especially Butler National, where your whole roots were intended to have great championship golf, then you should have uh, both genders. Mm, I don't know. I just, if the only reason that you're trying, you're going to have women members is to get a U.S. Open to host the U.S. Open, I don't think your intentions are right. I think if you want to have like a really great membership with, you know, both men and women, and that's the reason why you want to do it, then great. But I think a lot of the intentions aren't right when it comes to introducing new women members to, you know, Pine Valley or any of these men country men only country clubs. I think they're just doing it because of the social pressure that they feel like they have to do it because, you know, either they're getting hate or they just feel like they have to change it. And I don't like that. I don't like the fact that they feel like they have to do it or they're being forced into having to do it. You should do it because you want to do it and it's the right thing to do. And I don't have any issues with men only clubs. I really don't. It's a private club. You can do whatever you want. 
And I would rather, like I was saying, have them keep it men only if deep down they really don't want to have women members there. And I think, and I know this for a fact, this is not me just saying this to say this, guys don't like playing golf with women. They don't like having women on the golf course, either in front of them, behind them, because there's a stereotype that women are very slow golfers and they're just there to socialize. And so, and it's also like their own little safe haven. Like it's their place that guys can be guys and they'll never get in trouble if they say whatever, do whatever. They don't have to worry about anything. And so I, I honestly truly think that guys don't like having women on the golf course. And that's why they have men only country clubs and that is fine, but don't change it just because you want to host a major or just because you think it's the right thing to do. And then you're not going to treat them all that well, or like they're a part of the membership when they're actually members. I'm going to defend Pine Valley here. Not just because I want to play there. Yeah. You just want to go play. What a sellout. Although shoot 125 because it's really hard there. (laughs) Yeah. I will never get invited to play Pine Valley. (laughs) I think they did it for the right reason. I think they were they were not under any pressure related to hosting a tournament. Uh, I hadn't heard any groundswell of people writing about Pine Valley. Oh, you should be adding members. I mean, I I wrote those columns about Butler National. So if there was any pressure, it was on them. And obviously they were like, screw you and your stories. We're doing whatever the hell with the hell we want. I mean, Butler could be making a shit ton of money on Monday outings. If they, you know, open their door to women, because then all these corporations would be like, oh, let's play, you know, probably the greatest course, one of the top five in the Chicago area. And they've decided not to. Um, But I think Pine Valley is just doing it because they're the number one club and they're setting a good example. But still, no one can play there. Like, it's not, yeah, no one can play there. I mean, it's, it's it's a very few percentage of people who can actually go and play Pine true. Valley. Right. Well, what do you want them to open it up to the public page? Why would they? No, do? no, I'm just saying, like, keep it men only. <laughs> keep it how <laughs> it such is. A mix you know, contradiction. <laughs> now, your thing about like you don't want to see women on the golf course. I love seeing women on the golf course as long as they play cricket. Then I would, I would be happy to be the only dude on the whole golf course. But that's long. what I'm saying, though. It's like when they see women, they're like, oh, they're probably playing slowly, or even if there there is kind of a hold up, and there's they a, assume a, yes. They assume that it's the girl's fault that they're holding it up. But like I play on the golf course all the time and I'm a very fast player. And I see these guys playing from the tips can't break 120 and they're slowing everything down. And those are the guys that'll be like, oh, fucking women on the golf course, keeping the play up. And it's like, are you kidding? Are you like actually kidding? Like sometimes I don't even want to play with guys because they think they're like the shit and they're playing from the tips. Like I would much rather play with women who play from the correct tee boxes and hit it straight down the center exactly. every single time. <laughs> I love every single women time. Who, it doesn't matter what club they have. Every single shot goes 130 yards straight down the middle. Yeah. Totally agree. The problem with slow play is the dude who think they're way better than they are, who are plumb bobbing, who are grinding over two foot putts for $3 and who play from 7,100 yards. Couldn't agree more. So that's the thing, male, female, whatever. It's as long as you're not going to be an asshole and you can play at a good pace. That's, uh, That's who I want to be with. Well, and that's why I get really uncomfortable doing content on the golf course because I know if like, I'm very respectful of everyone around me and I would never hold any play up, but let's just say like there was a weird spacing and they see me on the golf course and I'm filming and there's like a little bit of a space in front of us. Automatically they're going to assume that I'm slow and I'm just taking pictures of myself and you know, I don't know what I'm doing. And that is beyond frustrating. I think I just have like conflicting feelings about this because of 
going to golf courses over and over and over again and not feeling welcome. And I'm not talking about the most exclusive golf courses in the world, the country clubs. I'm talking about just random public golf courses and still not feeling welcomed. And I would almost, like I was saying, just rather be men only. And I don't even have to deal with that because even when I go there, I know I'm not going to feel welcomed because I don't truly believe that they want women members there. And that's just my opinion, and it's probably wrong, but that's just how I feel. And it's based off of all of the past experiences that I've had going to golf courses and never feeling comfortable. And guys telling, you know, when I was younger, my mom, that they didn't want to play with me because I'm just a little kid. And, like, just literally having to, like, move different groups constantly because no guys wanted to play golf with me. So it's like, this has been happening since I started playing golf at 13 years old. These are like experiences that happen over and over and over and over again, constantly. Every single time I step on the golf course, I feel a certain way about it. So I, that's why it's like, just keep it men only because, and, and even now when it's like, they're commending them for, you know, finally allowing women. Okay, fine. You're allowing women, but are you actually going to treat them well? And are you going to treat them like they deserve to be there? Because I've been to a ton of golf courses that have allowed women and I don't feel welcomed and I don't feel like they want me there and I don't feel appreciated. So that's why I'm just like, just keep it mentally. I don't want to be there if you're not going to treat me well. Well, there's only one way to find out. Uh, I certainly have some, you know, indirect hookups to Pine Valley and you and I are going (laughs) to play Pine Valley. And then you're going to, because I think those guys, I don't, I don't know that club exceptionally well, but I think I know the type and I think they would do the right thing. And I think if a woman was playing there, uh, especially if she's a member, but but even if it's a guest like you, I think they would treat the woman very, very well. I want to, I want to test my theory someday. Okay. Well, you're fighting against how old am I? 28. And I started when I was 13. So that many amount of years of bad experiences, I don't know if it's going to be fixed with one great experience at Pine Valley. And I'm not saying that Pine Valley you play with me, Paige. (laughs) And I'm not saying that like Pine Valley is like known for like mistreating women. And it's not saying that it's like all golf courses, like where people feel uncomfortable all the time. If you don't just look like, you know, you, then you feel uncomfortable. I mean, even I get messages all the time from people who even have like tattoos or if they're a different ethnicity, like they always feel uncomfortable. And like, it's hard going to a place when you're the only one who looks like different, you know, I don't look around and I don't see hundreds of people who look like me out on the golf course. And that's always difficult. And it's uncomfortable. Sorry. If they got my whole privilege thing here, I can't say I relate, but <laughs> all I know is when I see, I, I don't care what somebody looks like, how they're dressed, what age For they sure, are, yeah. if they're bad, if they're good. I am trying to contribute to the spirit of everybody can play, wear whatever you want, look however you want, um, yeah. just play at a decent pace. <laughs> but we can all hope that people are going to be like you, though. You know, like that's yeah. the thing. Like, there aren't there aren't good people in the world, clearly, obviously. And there's just a lot of I just get so frustrated on this topic because again, it's like a bunch of old white guys talk about how progressive they are. And I'm like, are you really? Are you really? Do you have anyone on the board that it like looks different than you? Do you? Come on, like let's be real here. So Again, it's a little weird, but let's get into a lighter topic. (laughs) (laughs) Phil Mickelson. We love talking about Phil Mickelson. So he's unsure if he's going to accept the U.S. Open invite. You have a lot of thoughts about this. I want to hear them. Yeah, I mean, there's no way. First of all, it shouldn't be extended to him, even though it is Torrey Pines, Mr. San Diego, et cetera, et cetera. So it would be an amazing story. And, of course, 
you know, and probably most of the listeners know that he's never won a U.S. Open. Like that's the giant yeah. hole in the man's resume. It would be the greatest story in golf since Tiger won the Masters if Phil could ever win a U.S. Open. But the U.S. Open is the most democratic of all the tournaments and especially the majors. Like yeah. you have to qualify. If you don't have us, if you have not earned a spot, guess what? Whether you're Luke Donald and were once the number one player of the world, or Retief Goosen, or uh, Jason Duffner, I'm looking at Patty Harrington, Lee Westwood. I mean, all these guys have gone to try to qualify for the U.S. Open because they set aside a large number of spots. And the idea is if you have a handicap of like 1.8 or better, you can go and spend yeah. 85 bucks and go and try to get through <laughs> your local and sectional. And that's what the U.S. Open is all about. And then you add the fact that like, Bill Mickelson does not like the USGA and made a purposeful effort to make a mockery of Shinnecock in 2018 <laughs> because his putt, the putt is rolling back on those crazy greens and he hit a moving ball. That's like one of the best US Open moments of all time. Yeah. So it would be totally inconsistent if, if Phil Mickelson accepted would it. Would accept it. it. Said, yeah, he's not going to do that, right? No, he wouldn't. He said he's not going to, which I respect. I mean, he's sticking to his guns on it. And like you were saying, too, compared to all of the other tournaments, you have such a great opportunity to qualify for the U.S. Open. So if you don't do it through your play or, you know, other ways, you can do it through local sexual qualifying. I, I've tried to qualify um, when I was in junior golf oh. a lot. Yeah. And um, it's a grind. Oh, I bet. <laughs> it was did you, hard. Did you so they changed the format local? a couple times. Um, I got through local. I won the local qualifier at Phoenix Country Sweet. Club. I shot a 70. And Great. then the next one was at Passive Tiempo. <laughs> and it ate my lunch. Like, I, <laughs> that course is so incredibly difficult. If you don't know it all that well, because the greens are very slopey mm -hmm. and putting on that golf course is almost impossible. Like I'm a very good putter and I miss so many like two footers, yeah. like two, three footers. Like you're playing a one footer and you have to play like a foot of break. Scary. It's insane how slopey they are. And there's just certain pins that they can only put in certain places on the greens because of where everything is going. Uh, it's a very beautiful golf course. Like, it's incredible. But we were we were dying. My mom caddied for me. It's very slopey. She dropped, like, a couple head covers. She was, like, running up and down hills. It was, it was a mess. Show. I also tried to qualify at uh, the Broadmoor Cal one Colorado. year. Yep. My mom caddied for me on that one. 36 holes. And uh, after that, she's like, I'm never catting for you ever again because <laughs> it was a trek. Like that golf course is a beast to walk. We played 36 that day. So I was never that successful. But I think it's because I never wanted to actually play the US Yeah, track. I mean, what do you I think I was so there, scared exactly. of, yeah, like I was so scared to actually qualify and then having to go and play oh. the US Open and then like embarrass myself. So I think in the back of my head that I just, wasn't fully focused going into it. Cause I always played well in like 
the first qualifiers to get into the next one. And then they changed it. But it was like when it was go time to the final step, the final stage, I blew it. Cause I I was like, I don't, I don't want to go play. Like I don't want to embarrass myself at a U.S. open and I'm not ready to play. And so I think I just played bad, not on purpose, but I think subconsciously it was in my mind. So let me understand this. So you had your mom, basically she's carrying probably a heavy bag, like a tour bag for maybe like 14 miles while you played 36 holes. Um, at the broadboard. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. So it was very impressive. <laughs> so on number, on number 10, it was uh, not the championship golf course. They have two golf courses at the Broadmoor. So it was the other one. I always get confused on it's East and West. And I'm, I can't remember which one is the championship one. It's West, maybe we were playing the other, the other golf course. So, um, if you've played there, it's very hilly. So number, (laughs) we started on 10. And so number 10, you have to go literally down a valley and then back up like a huge hill. And it was our first hole of the day. And we are all just aligned. Like me, the two other girls are all of our caddies. And we just all stopped and like took a breather. <laughs> like we were all like huffing and puffing, like sucking air. And we just looked around like, are you struggling? And they're like, yeah, well, I'm struggling. Are you struggling? I'm like, yes. <laughs> we were all dying. It was the hardest course to walk and to play 36 holes. My mom was like, I need a push cart next time. Exactly. Like I am not doing this. And I would just be walking and just like, signaling her to like speed it up speed it up because she was always like 10 steps behind <laughs> looks like the east course is the one also the bunkers are like five feet deep around these greens there's water there's oh my <laughs> the fact that it you survived hard. it this looks like uh yeah did you break yeah the 75 to 78 neighborhood or something no <laughs> no actually i don't even remember what i I think I, the first round i think i shot like a i shot over an 80 for yeah. sure Oh, what did I shoot? And then I, I shot in the 70s the next That's round. Good. That's what I would always do. So same with, with Pasatiempo. I shot like an 88 the first round, and then I shot like a 73 the next. So it was like wow. the fear and the pressure and everything yes. too. And this is why I, I didn't play professionally because I'm a fucking head case, and it's clear with the scores. But as soon as I shot myself out of it and I knew I didn't have to go actually go play the U.S. Mm-hmm. Open, then I was fine. And so that was the same thing. And there was one time where it was in maybe Mesa Country Club. But I, I gave it a good run. I shot 74 the first 18, and I was playing really well the next 18. And I had a good shot, actually. And then I made, like, a 10 on a par 3. And it was like I shot myself out of it again. And then I played great after. I think I made, like, three or four birdies coming down the stretch. But I always just had to, like, shoot myself yeah. out of it to then be called. I again. cashed on that prop bet that Will Page make a double-digit score. <laughs> That's who it was. Voice bet was 150 to one. I mean, you know, we crush it on these prop bets. So, um, yeah, uh, it's. I'm very excited for the U.S. Open. Um, obviously, the PGA comes first, but the fact that it's at a Tory Pines, the fact that I think there's a sliver yeah. of chance, or maybe better chance that uh, we'll be out there, I'll be out there. Um, but the Phil Mickelson thing, you know, I think his quote about where he he basically said, "I don't want a sympathy spot." I think that was for something a couple of years earlier, maybe when, you know, when it was a, a slightly different topic. So I don't know that he's come, come out definitively and said no on this one, but I, I hope he does. Do you find it odd that the USGA is even offering him a sponsor exemption into this because of their kind of back and forth relationship? 
so are they is that is that really out there or are we just kind of speculating? i think we're just speculating at this point yes exactly so i don't think they will it's incredibly rare like they offered one to ernie ells um and that was a sweet gesture i don't know exactly how they justified doing that but at least he's like a past champion so maybe they felt like that was part of it look they know Phil doesn't like them really. Uh, they probably feel resentment toward Phil. Um, it's not a great relationship. I think Phil, when you look at the majors, like the PGA championship was his breakthrough. So he always has affection for that. Of course, he loves the masters. Every yeah. human being wants to win the masters. And once they get into that green coat club, it's like the greatest thing in their lives. And then they all have the utmost respect for the open championship and Phil's last major victory. So the U.S. Open, the USGA has always been the one that has been an absolute thorn. You know, that the one that he, I think, wants to beat and then just kind of flip everybody off. Yeah. And the fact that he's had like six or seven second place finishes <sighs> annoys him and the setups annoy him and maybe the stodginess of the USGA guys annoy him. So, uh, no, I, I don't think there's going to be, uh, you know, a big movement within the USGA to, to get Phil on that course. How do you feel about the Ricky Fowler sponsor exemption for the PGA. I had not heard about that. Uh, on what basis are they doing it? Yeah. It was a, it was a pretty big storyline. I think it was maybe last week or two weeks uh-huh. ago, um, but they decided to give Ricky Fowler a sponsor exemption and people were going back and forth. If talking about if he was worthy of it or not. I mean, obviously yeah. having Ricky in the field is good for business. People will come out and see him, but I, and this is hard for me to talk about too, because I accepted sponsor invites to three tournaments and um, all European tour events, but I don't think you should take a sponsor invite for a major championship. I feel like that is completely different because I love sponsor invites and I love when they mix it up and bring people yes. like a Tony Romo in or Steph Curry or like anything to, you know, get a little bit more action on maybe like a boring week on the PGA tour. But for a major, I feel like even as a player, it would be almost insulting to take it. Like you didn't earn your way into the major. And I feel like that is the one place where it's like, you got to do it. You got to earn your way into a major. Yeah. I mean, I guess here's the distinction. Like if they, if, if it's established that the PGA championship always hands out a couple of sponsors exemptions then great use it on Ricky Fowler. He is represents a lot of great stuff in golf. He looks the part. He's been yeah. successful. He's, grinding it out. He's trying to come back. He gets flack from Sir Nick Faldo, who's, you know, totally (laughs) blindsiding him. So if they're handing out two or four or whatever they normally do, awesome. But I agree with you. It's a completely different thing with with a regular tour event. Like all of the regular tour events, I mean, I think especially the women's events are fighting like hell to get attention and sponsorship and money and advertisements and you know, they're trying to sell tickets and they're trying to sell pro-am spots. So it's a business, it's entertainment, do whatever you want to do. But there is a distinction here. There has to be a spirit of, I have earned my way into a major, especially for the U.S. Open 
and oh, the yeah. Open Championship. So obviously for the U.S. Open, because there's multiple ways to qualify, but for the PGA Championship, do you think that the sponsor invite should go to a PGA Pro um, since there are some that they have their no. chance. <laughs> got a quick no. Got a quick no from Ted. Just trying to think of an interesting discussion. Yeah. Do you want okay. uh, Harvey Hackenstein <laughs> out in uh, you know out in Houston, <laughs> the Range Pro to get? I don't know, like a good storyline uh, or something. Like a they good already PGA. have I those. Know. I mean, they already get. Is it is it twenty? <laughs> I know the number has shrunk yeah. over the years, but yeah. I mean, God bless him. Mike Small is the University of Illinois golf coach, and he's a phenomenal player, and he's played in, like, seven PGA championships. But, I mean, honestly, like, all those guys get in, and then most of them shoot, you know, 79, 84, and I'm glad they've had a great experience. But we don't need more of that. (laughs) I think the number of spots they have for the teaching professionals is probably sufficient. Okay, so I have another question for you then. So you get a sponsor invite to play in a PGA Tour event. Do you take it for the experience or do you not take it because you think you're not going to play? Well, we'll say you're like a scratch golfer. Oh, I was going to say. No, like you're, you're, you're talking like, about 13 <laughs> handicap. No, no, no. You're like a good golfer, but you're not oh. obviously tour caliber, but you're, huh. you're good enough. Like you like, should let's say, like, okay. you're scratch. You're me. Like you're, you're me. You, you should sure. good. You're, you've had some experience. You played competitively, maybe yeah. played in college and do you take it? Do you not take it? So let's say if I'm Tony Romo. Yes. Yes. Yes, you do. Or Steph Curry. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if you're Steph Curry, of course you take the invitation. He's the perfect example of somebody. What if you're not like a famous person? You're just like. Well, here's my distinction. Okay, if you're Tony Romo or Steph Curry, like, you have a day job, right? You can't spend five days a week grinding at the range. You have an excuse for not being as good as you could potentially be if you spent all your time practicing (laughs) and playing golf. Plus, people love you, and you are going to bring attention that to makes the sense. event. Yes, Golf mm-hmm. Channel is going to have updates. Tony Romo is going to bur- uh, eagle the first hole with <laughs> chip in a couple weeks ago. We're all going to be talking about some event that nobody would have been talking about. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. So I think in those circumstances, you absolutely take it. If you're just Joe Average, you know, guy walking on the street who happens to be good at golf and, and is a scratch player, but nobody gives a shit about you. No, 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 no. You can watch it on TV. So you you think that this was always the discussion when I was receiving sponsor invites and people were like, well, you shouldn't take it because you don't deserve it. So at what level do you actually like say no to a sponsor invite? Do you have to, you know, internally think be like, okay, I, I am not going to win. I don't even have a shot at winning. So do I even take it? Like, is that even a thought process that should go on? Because I feel like if anyone got a sponsor invite to play on the PGA Tour or a professional event, LPGA, they would take it all day long. Yeah, Every no, single day. I mean, you Everybody better take, take it. it. Yeah, we only, takes it. we only get one life. Um, we don't exist in this world to turn down great opportunities. I mean, if I get invited to Pine Valley or now you get invited to Pine <laughs> Valley, um, if anybody gets invited to, to go watch the Masters, I always say, like, don't force somebody to ask twice. Do this stuff. So for your career, if you hadn't accepted those, that would have been insane. I mean, I think that honestly would have showed like a lack of confidence. So thank God you did. I mean, I was forced to. I didn't want to take them. <laughs> 
I was forced to. I did not want to play. I did not feel ready. I was very, very scared. We talked about that over over that sushi (laughs) dinner over the night before. I was not prepared at all for any of that. But that was. I think that was the argument I was trying to prove. Though it's like if you get a sponsor invite, you're going to take it. Everyone would take it. No one would turn it down. No one would be like sitting there and be like, you know what? I am undeserving of this. I am not (laughs) going to take the sponsor invite. Everyone's going to take the sponsor invite regardless. I'm just trying to get an invite into the pro-am i just want somebody to say because i had such a good experience playing with boo weekly forever going to bmw if they want to invite me into the pro-am where i can't injure anybody with a stray golf <laughs> shot or think that i'm in does this points bet have any hookups can we can we go play in any pro-ams i know they're going to uh be hosting something exactly can I even say that? Yeah. Am I allowed to? Yeah. It, uh, That's been public. We oh, have a corn cool. fairy event in Colorado. Yeah, so we're going to be hosting a corn fairy event in Colorado, which I'm very, very excited about. It's at TPC exactly. Colorado, which is going to be so much fun. I've never played there, but I heard it's absolutely amazing and beautiful. So I can't wait to go out there and see that. So if anyone is in Colorado during that time, come say hi, because I'm definitely going to be there. You're going to have to come out. I mean, we have to play in the Pro-Am. A thousand million percent. I love the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, my buddy Nick Hardy plays on that and Vince India and hopefully Dylan Meyer gets in. All these like former U of I or Iowa golfers and Northwestern guys. It's an incredible level of golf. It's one step below the PGA Tour. Yeah, they're so good. And PointsBet has its name all over this. So we got to make this happen. We got well. We had to be in separate teams though, because one oh, I don't yeah. want to play with you, and no. we have to have a little side action on which team is going to be better too. Because I, I never lose pro ams. Like I am a pro am master. Like I really? always play well in pro ams because I get to play from the fronties, and <laughs> I just get a bomb yeah. drivers all day long. Uh, par fives are like par fours yeah, for me. Yeah. It's, I can drive yeah. some par fours. It's amazing. Yeah, that's great when you have yeah, your 325 yard par four. If you even want to, you know, it, it's like the sponsors exemption question. Do you even want to play from up there, Paige? You say you're a big hitter. You say you're longer than me. I see you on Sims hitting it, bombing at 280. But like, you know, don't take the charity. Play from. Not the back tees, but the next of the back tees. I think that's the only way that we can, that I have a chance of beating you on like one hole at 18. No, well, they say women play from the front tees. No, they don't. They're from not the women's tees. tees. They are front tees. They, you can but play that's work. what they say. And if that's what no, you're no, saying, no, no. I'm taking full advantage of that. <laughs> I've played with a lot of good women golfers. They play from the tees I play from. Stephanie Way, on the other hand, my partner, we've been very successful making money off New York uh, sports writers. She plays from way up there, even though she was a golfer at Yale. When she's on my team, I let her play from, she can play from 4,000 yards if she wants. Oh, yeah. If there is money on the line or if it's like a pro-am or a charity event, I am playing from the front tees. But when I play with my friends, I go all the way to the back with them. I am forced all the way to the back. So (laughs) I never get to play from the front tees just for fun. So I, I know... You'll probably be playing from a couple tee box up for me when we actually no. go play. Believe me. You don't <laughs> want to see much of my golf game, but I, you know, I can lean into it a little bit off the tee. Length off the tee is not my problem. I'm happy to play from 6,800 yards or, or even a little bit more. Okay. Well, especially in Colorado. Only one way to find out. <laughs> especially with that light air. You know, I love the light air. I remember I I grew up in Colorado, so I was so used to the ball going, you know, miles and I had to go play a junior event in Florida 
And I almost had a massive panic attack. I mean, (laughs) I was like, why is one? I was like, why are my clothes sticky? And also like, why is the ball going nowhere? Why is this grass like grainy and weird? (laughs) It was a rude awakening. So I, if you have a junior golfer, have them grow up not in Colorado because it's a false sense of confidence. Also those so many (laughs) elevated tees. So it's like, yeah, I got a, you know, 190 yard par three. Give me the eight iron. You're feeling so good about your length and then you get to florida it's like uh yeah five wood please oh yeah and everything's bent grass and like bent greens and you make everything like it is so easy to putt on bent grass and like to chip around there it takes lots of effort and practice to um putt on bermuda or chip on bermuda it's brutal so that's why florida golfers end up being really really great golfers because they have to hit a lot farther. They have to work their shots a little bit more. Um, chipping's harder. Putting's harder. Everything's just harder over in Florida. Got you. Absolutely. Well, I want to play in Florida. I want to play in Illinois. I got to. So we do two dr- golf trips. We got one coming up to Geneva National in Wisconsin in a couple of weeks. So I just want to play it somewhere, Paige. <laughs> I know. Well, you have to come back out to Arizona and we can play some Arizona golf. Would love that, man. I uh, it was fun, even though the forecast said it was a, it was a hundred degrees. It really was comfortable. Yeah, it's not that bad. Summers get a little brutal because um, it's just so hot. It just feels like you know when you open up the oven and that yes, heat comes I've done in. That in. That's Vegas. what it. Yes. Yeah, that's what it feels like. But it, you really do get used to it. I'd much rather have like 110, 115 here in Arizona than, you know, like a, a 95 in Texas or like Florida. It's that humidity kills it. Not, yeah. not you'll good. Feel good. You'll feel good about this. Yeah. Chicago, the high temperature on Wednesday, it's supposed to be 52 degrees. So there were thoughts of going to a Cubs game, a night game. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to win. So we are going to get into a TNA right now. Uh, we're going to do one non-golf question and one golf question. Everyone is dying to know. Cake or pie? <laughs> I'm going to go with cake. And I'm not like a huge cake or pie guy, but I will say cake. Best case is that it has mocha. I love mocha. But quick, quick shout out. My daughter, Elle, is 13 today. So we had cupcakes oh, for breakfast. Love that. Yes, you will have cupcakes later. Um, I think I'll let her listen to this pod because I let her watch a lot of stuff already, inappropriate stuff on television <laughs> that I shouldn't allow. So why not just let her listen to uh, playing around with Paige? <laughs> it's a very PG one, but happy birthday to your daughter. You guys doing anything fun? We are going to sushi tonight. She, for some reason, uh, romanticizes conveyor belt sushi. That she is the best really kind cool. of sushi. She is right about that one. <laughs> She eats exactly so she thinks it's very cool to just be picking off pieces and stuff. So we got oh, about five fun. or six friends, and that's our uh, that's our evening plan. I love that. I'm gonna go with pie. Okay. I like pie better. Any type of pie. Any? Pie is just so good. I feel like cake. You can have really bad cake, and it's just like dry, or there's like too much icing, or it's just too sugary or too sweet. But pie, pie is always good. A good pumpkin pie, an apple pie, a cherry pie, key lime pie, chocolate pies are good. Any type of pie. Pie is way better. Pie is superior to cake. Key lime is my wife's favorite, and I think it's very polarizing. Most people bite (laughs) in and they say, what is this? What is like, it's so, 
sour, whatever flavor, you know, limey. Is. I like it. I like, I like, like it citrus too. stuff, like lemon pie. I love pies. It's got to be like, I feel like on a hot day and it's a great, like cool, refreshing dessert. Yeah. Or ice cream cake, but that not cake works. cake. Mm. I'm good at baking. I don't know really? if anyone knows this. Yes. My secret talent is baking. What do you make? I'm an amazing baker. I can bake anything. I make these really amazing chocolate peanut butter cookies. Oh. I make good oatmeal raisin cookies. I, I'm i good at cakes, actually, surprisingly. I've actually, I've never made a pie. I don't make pies because it's, a, it's <sighs> an art. I'd rather yeah. eat someone else's pie. Is that... <laughs> is there a sexual reference there? I don't know. I don't know. Pie? I'll say something so innocently, and then people will always comment something bad. <laughs> so if something sounds a little dirty, I always have to like step back for a second and be like, let me take in the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, I thought if you're gonna mention fudge or something, I would just think of American pie when I think oh, of pies. Like warm <laughs> apple pie. That's no, one of the best pie. movie lines of all time. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I make, yeah, no, I make really good cakes, um, cupcakes, anything. I'm a good baker. Uh, Better, better than your pimento cheese sandwich. Oh, pimento cheese sandwiches are just terrible. (laughs) Even if you're amazing at making them, they're just not good. I make a good smoothie. I think that's, uh, I I grill (laughs) and I make smoothies and breakfast. That's about it for me. I like that. Okay. So our, no, Ooh, this is a good one. Um, since we were just talking about golf courses in yeah. this episode, is there a golf course you have on your bucket list? Pine Valley. I hear you say Pine Valley. Exactly. Hopefully they're all listening to the show. Um, also, I got an opportunity once to play Pebble. I turned it down because I was going <gasps> to Bandon Dunes. I know. Oh, it no. was after the US Open. They said, we got a spot for you. And I said, kills me, but going to Bandon and I'm going to have an amazing time there. So Pebble and Cypress. Out in Northern California, I definitely need to do. Um, Cypress is amazing. Oh man, did you? You've gotten to play a couple times. Mm-hmm. Once? Just one time, and it was like an out of body experience. Like it is just some. There's like it's like spiritual. It's weird because it's so yeah. beautiful, yes. and you literally just have to like stop there and look at the water, and you almost want to cry because it is so incredibly beautiful. It's the most yes. beautiful golf course that I have ever ever played, and the one time where I was like truly happy the entire round. And it there's the holes are so unique where like the front nine looks very different than the back nine and it's always changing and every hole is like different and unique and which I really love. So I also, I've only played like once in Ireland. It was like only one time I was out there for Notre Dame football. So I need to do like an Ireland, Scotland trip. Um, I need to go up in the extreme Northeast and play Cabot links. Oh. Cabot links is like the Mike Kaiser place. That's like kind of abandoned dunes of, of, of that area. So definitely need to play out there. Hopefully with my Canadian relatives, we always talk about getting out there and probably having just like lobster and shrimp, every single meal in <laughs> Cabot links and Cabot cliffs. And then the New York courses, um, Winged foot, I got to play. And then oh, on the Hamptons, you've got like national and you've got 
um, amazing ones out there. So Shinnecock, I've been like around Shinnecock. I've driven by it, but <laughs> have not played. Have you gotten to the, like any of the Hampton sports? I have not. So I've been lucky enough where I played some of like the most amazing golf course in the world, yep. but I haven't played a lot of them. So I've played Cypress. I played Wingfoot. Um, I really want to play Oakmont. That's one course that I am dying to go play. I just want to go out there. It might kill you, but sure. That That's just one that's always been on my list and something that I've just been like dying to go play. And then St. Andrews. I, I really want to go over there and play all of those golf courses. Like Those are my favorite type of golf courses are link style golf courses. I think they're the ones where you can have to be the most creative. It's the most like pure form of golf is link style golf courses. So those are also on my list. And then I have been dying to go to Australia. I've heard mm. the golf courses there are like incredible, like so amazing. So that's also on my bucket list. You know, people always talk about, you know, the top golf courses here and it's just, I don't know. I've like, I played Cyprus and that's pretty much all I've wanted to play. That was like the number one on my bucket list. And after that, I'm like, eh, whatever. I like, I'd rather go outside of the States and play all of the other golf courses. Cause I just feel like, Everyone's always like, oh, have you played Pine Valley? Have you played here? Have you ever played Pinehurst? And I'm like, no, I haven't played there. You know, I want to be like, oh, have you ever played this one golf course in Australia? And they're like, no, you know, I want to do something different. Mm -hmm. different. Okay. Well, you have to play Chicago Golf Club and Shore Acres and Medina and some of the great ones we have here. They're all like top 20, top 25. They're amazing. But the Australia thing, Johnny Aiken, our CEO, Ron Shell, Eric Foote, guys. PointsBet is an Australian-based company. Um, I hear our headquarters out there are like right next to the Australian Open, the tennis in Melbourne. So Ooh, let's that'd go, be fun. go during the Australian Open, even if it's like 147 degrees. Take a trip to Australia. I've never been. I'm dying to go and play a bunch of golf. Okay, so that is on our bucket list. We'll definitely have to do that. But I want to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. We always have so much fun here. And... We disagree all the time, too, which I don't hate that. So thanks, as always, Teddy, for your opinions, even though I think they're wrong all the time. And sure. <laughs> thanks, for everyone listening. And I'm cutting you off because I yeah. am just... <laughs> I'm going to keep going with this one. I'm just going to keep going. This is my time. Word. My time. <laughs> uh, yep, guys. Uh, thanks again for always listening and supporting. And you'll find us here soon again. See you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I've been muted by <laughs> follow playing around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a, a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit mortonbuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today.